We welcome Caitlin Quinn and Joyce Galindo of Verity to the stage of the Phoenix Theater. Verity is Sonoma County's sole rape crisis, trauma, and healing center, providing services and support to all survivors of sexual violence, human trafficking, and other related sexual assaults, and they've been doing such for almost 45 years. Tonight we'll learn more about the organization, its operations, its history, why this work is important for these people, and so much more. Please welcome to the program, Caitlin and Joyce of Verity. Welcome. Thanks so much for having us, y'all. We really appreciate you coming. Yeah, we do. Um, This is an important organization, so I think just to start, um, it'd be good to talk about the services that Verity offers and, and in your own words, what this organization is. Absolutely. So um, I can talk a little bit about some of the more direct services we provide to survivors, and I'll let Joyce talk about the prevention efforts that we do, um, because we are really trying to put ourselves out of jobs, I like to say. I like to say that our prevention department is trying to make sure the rest of us don't need to be in this field anymore. Um, So the main way that we started actually was having a 24-7 crisis hotline, originally just staffed by volunteers when we were called Women Against Rape. That was before we were a nonprofit, 501c3, all that stuff. It was just a bunch of women who were really mad about rape. Fair reason to be mad. Um, So they would take turns literally womaning a phone that any rape survivor or anyone with any issues about sexual violence could call. And over the years, we transformed into United Against Sexual Assault to be more inclusive of men, teens, and children who had undergone sexual abuse um, and realizing that it wasn't just an issue that affected women and it also wasn't an issue that was just for women to address. Um, And then we, around that same time, we started providing counseling services where we work with uh, therapists, interns, and trainees, so folks that are still on track to get their licensure to provide more affordable counseling um, to survivors of sexual violence and their families. So now we offer support groups for survivors, support groups for parents who have had kids who have undergone sexual trauma. Um, We have counseling services in English and in Spanish. We have a special therapist just for survivors of human trafficking. We have a uh, therapist just for survivors who are currently in the carceral system um, detained either in adult detention facilities or juvenile detention facilities. Um, And we currently have a staff of nine advocates um, who all have their different specialties in terms of working one-on-one with our clients um, while we still run our 24-7 crisis line and do a little bit of everything. We'll send staff to go to a hospital if a survivor is having a, a sexual assault exam and we'll always have someone available to go to a police interview or some other interview with law enforcement, basically anything and everything related to a survivor um, and their experience with sexual assault, we will be there. We'll be there from the moment they go to the hospital to the moment that the final court case is closed um, and beyond that, because justice doesn't necessarily end in the justice system. And I feel like I've been talking for a while, so I'll let Joyce talk about why she's trying to put us out of a job. Yeah. And I would just say 1974 is when Mm -hmm. the organization was founded, uh, originally Women Against Rape. 
And um, I just think that's an important thing. And Santa Rosa yeah. is where yes. this organization is based. I, I just want to remind people that because a lot of people that listen to this are in Sonoma County. Mm-hmm. This is available in Santa Rosa. This is where exactly. you're based. Yeah, so it, definitely we have our office located in Santa Rosa, but we do all Sonoma County. Mm-hmm. There are times when I have to drive to Cloverdale, Sonoma Valley, to meet with a client because they can't. I understand it's quite of a drive. Mm-hmm. And then part of what I do in prevention education is I go to schools. Part of the prevention team, we go to schools, we talk to students about like consent, different types of sexual assault, um, human trafficking, and we also do elementary. And it's uh, the curriculum is very different. Um, we talk about safe and unsafe touches. Um, we talk about kids, how a bathing suit cover parts of your body where no one's supposed to be touching or looking. And I think it's really important because sometimes when I do go to elementary schools, I am the first person who's telling them about these things because it's uncomfortable to talk about it at home. And there has been cases in which kids have said, oh, th- this has been happening to me. But I did not know it was not okay because no one told me it wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. And then I also we also do a lot of um, presentations to parents where we t- talk to parents and how they can talk to their kids about safe and unsafe touches. Because it's not just a one-time thing. It's not just me coming into the schools and giving them like a lesson. It's something that we need to do all the time. Not just because you talk to them once like at five years old you don't talk to them ever again about it it's something that we have to continue on doing mm-hmm. let's define human trafficking if you don't mind because i think that that is a term that is is used a lot and is is broad so let, let's talk about that term absolutely um so what's really cool about verity is we deal with all forms of human trafficking not just sex trafficking but human trafficking is forcing or coercing someone into doing involuntary labor, whether it's physical labor um, or sex work or any physical act that they are not wanting to do and for whatever reason can't leave. Oftentimes that's not like physical force or like chains, but for a lot of our clients, it's that their money is taken from them their ID or passport is taken from them. They're threatened with being deported. Um, and in a time like this, that's terrifying for so many people. Yeah, definitely. Another way to also say human trafficking, it's, this to, it's today's slavery because it is a form of slavery. Um, it's it, like Caitlin mentioned, it's not just sexual. We also do um, labor trafficking. It's also labor trafficking in which people get put in working in fields for like really long hours and don't get paid fairly or they get lunch breaks or when they're doing a lot of domestic work. We kind of, we don't have so many people working so much directly with domestic um, labor trafficking as, as sexual trafficking, but definitely where I also go to like labor centers and I mm-hmm. talk and I get presentations in regards to trafficking and even in, in regards to sexual violence because when I do go to labor centers, a lot of the men that I talk to, they have spoken up and said, well, I was molested as a child. Mm -hmm. And this is possibly the first time they're ever talking about it. And traffickers prey on people who have already been victimized in some way, Um, especially sex traffickers will prey on uh, youth that are homeless, youth that are in the foster system, girls that have already been sexually abused, boys that have been sexually abused, or boys that are struggling with their sexuality. Um, Predators are good at spotting weakness and they're likely to strike more than once. Do you feel that human trafficking is an issue in Sonoma County? Oh, yeah. And I I think that would surprise some people. Yeah, I think a lot of people picture it as um, like young Asian women coming over on ship container ships from China and Vietnam, which does happen a little bit, but it's not as much as you would think. A lot of people um, 
are trafficked from around here. We see um, a sort of triangle with Sacramento and the Bay Area and Sonoma County um, where they'll be trafficked just far enough away that people aren't really going to recognize them. Um, And we, I mean, we've known people that have been trafficked while they were still living at home. Teenagers who went to San Francisco on the weekends um, and their parents didn't suspect anything. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I always, when I do school presentations, I always tell teens, you you have social media. You are so exposed. Mm -hmm. You will one day get in a, uh, a message from someone um, offering you like a modeling job. Mm-hmm. Hey, I saw your profile picture. I think you'll be an amazing model. We'll fly you down here or there. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to tell anyone if you don't want to. <laughs> and yeah. that is a form of yeah. how they're gonna lure teenagers in. Yeah. What is the closest thing to your organization in Sonoma County or in the surrounding mm-hmm. areas? And the second question would be, um, what do people without a local Verity have as an option when these are struggles that they're faced with? So luckily, it's legally required that every county in California have a rape crisis center. Some uh, more rural counties have a what we call a dual agency, where it's a rape crisis center and a domestic violence agency. Um, in Sonoma County, we're relatively lucky for being rural. We're also very populated. It's very confusing when it comes to applying for grants. Um, but we have the YWCA, which is the domestic violence organization and they actually have a domestic violence shelter which is great Um, whereas we deal more with sexual violence and obviously there is a huge amount of overlap we share a lot of clients we have one advocate who actually works half time out of the Petaluma Police Department and she's our only one that technically works with um, victims of domestic violence but obviously all of us do have some work with victims of domestic violence and we're never going to turn someone away because oh you're suffering the wrong kind of violence good luck yeah, when we get people calling our crisis line, sometimes they don't always call um, because of sexual violence. And we, we still get their calls. We still talk to them. We still, if we can't help them directly, we will we'll refer them to the right agency that mm-hmm. might be able to help them. But we still follow up. Like maybe like a week later, hey, did you end up calling this agency? Do you end up going? Did you get the support that you need? And we definitely don't turn their back yeah. on them. <laughs> what are some misconceptions that you have encountered in this work? Yeah, I mean, even talking with other people who regard themselves as feminists and regard themselves as in the know, I was talking to one woman who, when I said, oh, sexual abuse is about power, as you know, she was like taken aback. She agreed with me in the end, but she, it, she had to think about it for a little while. Sexual abuse is about power. It's not about sex. It's not about sexual gratification. If someone just wanted sexual gratification, they could masturbate or they could go to a consensual sex worker. It is not about sexual gratification. Um, And another thing is there's a huge misconception that it's often something that a stranger Mm -hmm. will do, that you're just walking down the street at night and someone jumps out of the bushes. 90% of the time it's someone you already know or an acquaintance. Um, So those are the two big ones that come to mind. I want to field it over to Joyce. No, and definitely, I I definitely agree that one. When I go to schools and sometimes teachers, they want to call my presentation stranger danger. Mm -hmm. I have to like, this is nothing to do with stranger danger because it's chill. Most of the cases that I work with directly, the person is someone they know. It's someone in the house. It's a family member. It's a friends of a family. 
I want to say most of the time it is someone they know. It's someone they've already trusted. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why sometimes kids don't don't speak up about it because it's someone who they definitely care about. It's somebody who they don't want to get in trouble for. Um, so, yeah, that's, to me, that's, like, the biggest one. Like, stranger danger, I hate when people, like, use it that way because the chances of me walking down an alley, let's say, and me getting rape or sexual abuse by someone that i don't know it's really unlikely whereas if i was like the same molested by a family member when i was a kid i want to come back to the power subject Mm because i know this is one i've seen you talk about before but uh let's talk some statistics uh, because i think those are extremely powerful Um, the national sexual violence resource center says that one in three women and one in six men experience some form of uh sexual violence in their lifetime Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that that's unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's terrifying. Um, and I think a lot of that has to be based on a guess, right? Because a lot of folks don't feel comfortable coming to the police or reporting it. And right now that's kind of our only option in the justice system is to report it to law enforcement and go through with a law enforcement interview and a case and things like that. Um, whereas we don't necessarily report our numbers to authorities. We report our numbers in terms of grants and funding and things like that. But those those are, I would say, conservative estimates. And those are conservative based on a conservative idea of what sexual violence is. So when you decide yeah. not to report, what would be the reasoning behind that? Well, a lot of undocumented folks right now have no desire to go to the police. None. I don't care how much you tell them it's fine. I don't care how much you tell them you can get a U visa or a T visa, which is true. But... It's scary. It's a scary time right now. And a U visa and a T visa. Yeah. So a U visa, anyone who's undocumented who's a victim of a crime in the United States can apply for a U visa. Now, the contingency is you have to get along and agree with law enforcement the entire time, um, which can be a really big burden hurdle sometimes. Yeah, it means like you do have to make a report. It means Mm -hmm. that every time that you're asked to go to court, you have to go to court. If you miss one court, it's like you're not cooperating. Mm -hmm. And that makes them not qualify for a possible U visa when they would definitely qualify. Yeah. Uh, and uh, to your question, shame. I mean, shame is yes. a huge shame thing. Is huge. Uh, yeah. up- upsetting the apple cart uh, mm-hmm. at home because, like you say, uh, stranger danger is a silly, silly term. Uh, another statistic from the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. In eight of ten cases of rape, the victim knew the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, these statistics are just mind-boggling. Um, do, do any stand out to you that you've heard in your time? I would guess that men's is actually higher than that. I, I can't say for certain, but I think that a lot of men are afraid. Not even afraid. Afraid's not the right word, but don't qualify what's happened to them as Uh, rape or sexual violence I think that a lot of men who would be pressured into sex feel like they're supposed to want to have sex or just because they were aroused or erect means that it wasn't um, sexual violence and we see all the time that that's not true your body's reaction to something happening does not equal consent yeah I mean the statistics are almost undoubtedly worse because who wants to relive it oh yeah it's it's huge and it may never result in the healing you think it will um a lot of time the process can leave people feeling more traumatized but what we try and do is make people feel more empowered having gone through the process and we'll never push someone to do something they don't want to do what would you say either of you to someone who says you know i had this thing happen but it's just not worth it to go into it it's not worth it to come to verity it's true sometimes maybe it's not so much it's being worth it or not it's that they're not ready um and that's the one thing is that we we don't push it 
Mm-hmm. Um, we tell them our services. We tell, we check in with them. We do follow-ups. But we won't pressure them because someone has already taken that power away from them. And by us, like, pressuring or by us um, forcing them, like, no, you have to go to counseling or, no, you have to make a report, that that's still taking their power away mm-hmm. for them to make their own decisions. And I'll say one thing that I really like about our model, but what can be really frustrating sometimes is someone will call us on behalf of their best friend or their spouse or their girlfriend or their mom. And they'll tell us all these things and they'll say, I think my mom really wants help. Here's her number. Can you call her? No, I, we, we can't. They need to seek us out themselves. They need to be ready to come to us. And after you hear about all these things and you have so many ideas of how you can help, um, it's hard to just sit back and wait and hope and pray that they call. This is a prompt I think any of us have, have encountered, um, which is someone close to you is having a situation like this go on. Do you have any advice to people who haven't been directly affected, but who know someone that has been? For the teens, when I do go and present to teenagers, my three things that I always tell them is to listen it's really important to like listen to listen what the other person has to say because they are probably the first person who they're talking to. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't want answers or maybe they don't want people to be asking questions or they don't they don't exactly want the other person to help them out. They just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, to believe them. I think that's very important to believe their story, to believe what happened, not to do like any of like the victim blaming. Well, are you sure you were probably drunk? How do you even know? Um, what were you wearing? That's the biggest mm-hmm. one. Um, so definitely listening, believing, and I always tell them you can call our crisis line number. Um, just call us, tell us, hey, like, so this is my friend told me this, this, and that. How can I better support them? Yeah, I would, I would absolutely echo all of those. Um, a lot of the times, our crisis line is just an ear to talk to. Most of our crisis mm-hmm. calls are done in five or six minutes because it's just talking to someone, reassuring them that we're there, um, reassuring them that we care and we're here. Um, and I would say another thing is to just be patient with them, um, especially in the cases where it's a little bit of DV and sexual violence overlapping. It takes people seven times on average to leave their abusers. Um, so if it's a complicated case, like with a family member, with a spouse, with anything, um, your first instinct is going to be to pressure them to leave. And that's a, a good instinct and keep that one for yourself. But you can give them options and help support them in their decision to leave, but you can never make someone leave. And if you try to make them leave, they're just more likely to go back. Can we talk about uh, a term I learned today from the Verity website, rape trauma syndrome? Mm-hmm. It, these numbers are so big that so many people have experienced mm-hmm. this. And um, this is something that, that follows. I think it's a lot like PTSD in a way. Um, I think more and more we're actually understanding that rape trauma syndrome is almost a subcategory of PTSD. Um, for a lot of survivors, it doesn't kind of come into fruition for a while. Um, and it can be any little little thing that triggers it, but it's in like PTSD, there can be the flashbacks, there can be the physical illness. Um, we see a lot of, um, we being scientists who actually study this stuff, not me, um, we see a lot of, uh, immune disorders actually among people that have been sexually assaulted or raped um, because their body is thinking that it's fighting something it's not. When trauma is in the body, the body reacts to it like the violent event is still happening. 
um, and the body thinks it's in the present. So that's why the heart rate goes up. That's why the shoulders hunch. That's why the, the vision gets um, that tunnel vision, just all these things happen. And it's a, it's a biological kind of response. Um, and so I think a lot of people don't even realize it's happening until you're way down that rabbit hole. I want to go back to your comment about sexual abuse is about power. Mm-hmm. Um, you, in an interview with the Bohemian, talked about how abusers prey on people they perceive as weak. You also said that earlier. Uh, in particular, marginalized identities and mm-hmm. people with disabilities. Yeah, um, a lot and lot of people um, don't realize how much dependent adults can be abused by their caretakers. Um, And I think part of that comes from the idea that we don't want to see disabled people and people um, with cognitive differences as uh, sexy or sexual. I think that scares us a lot. Um, So how could they possibly be sexually assaulted when they're not sexual beings? Um, But there have been so many studies in and that NPR has shown us that other major trustworthy news outlets have shown us where um, the abuse keeps happening and keeps being reported, but no one takes them seriously because they're mentally or cognitively disabled. Um, Or they, they genuinely don't know that anything's wrong or that they're being preyed upon. Um, And then in terms of people um, preying on marginalized identities, most sexual violence actually happens at least racially within a racial category. But when it is um, interracial, it's usually white folks, white men, um, violating and doing violence on people of color and women of color. Um, so the idea that black men like prey on women has been this fucked up part of American history that's completely um, unfounded. Yeah, I work a lot with the um, Hispanic Latino community and uh, it's insane how how many families mm-hmm. know that their son or daughter is being molested by like a fa- another family member, but they don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Or they don't, for whatever reason it is, they don't say anything. They make it seem like they don't talk about it. They don't make a report. And I think it also comes down because in where I where I see a lot of the families, like they come, when they come from, say, Mexico, um, it's very common. And that's actually very sad that it's very common for an uncle to prey on um, their nieces and nephews. And they even probably preyed on the, the nieces and nephews' parent, mom. Mm-hmm. And now they're doing it to the kids and the mom knows, but they don't, they don't know how to react because it was happening to her and they, they didn't know if they could get help or even if there is any help over there. And it, it, it's a cycle. It can be a cycle. Absolutely. A lot of times... Um what I've seen across racial lines is, especially moms, moms who have had sexual trauma in their past, don't want to admit that something similar is happening to their daughters, either because they haven't accepted it themselves that that happened to them, or they just like can't see it happening because then they feel like a failure for quote unquote letting it happen as like, yeah, it's not your fault, mamas. I just want to do a plug for the organization. Your crisis line is open 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. That's an important thing to know. You always have at least two people on staff, and mm-hmm. you write on your website that no problem is too big or too small yeah. to speak to an advocate about. Yeah, absolutely. You both have worked with this organization yeah. for how long? We've both been here around two years. Okay. And yeah. and this is obviously an area that you didn't just become interested in two years ago. No. <laughs> so, I mean, what what, what is what is the... I don't know. I don't know how to word the question exactly, yeah. so I apologize for that. But 
there it's worthwhile to pick up the phone and call I would say it's worthwhile because we're not here with solutions where you're not a problem. We're not trying to fix a problem. We're here. If you need someone to talk to, we know about all the resources. We're not going to wave a magic wand and solve your problems for you, but we get them. We get your problems. We deal with them all the time. A lot of us have personally dealt with them. Our executive director talks all the time about her history of sexual abuse. I talk all the time about my history of sexual violence. Um, as a victim, not a perpetrator. Sorry, just to clarify. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're all, we, I try to make it clear to folks that we're doing this work because we care about it and we care about people. And we, I mean, we don't make money off of their trauma or their pain. We get paid to be there whether or not they use our services. So at the end of the day, I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm just trying to let people know that we're here um, and we're here if you need us today. And we're here if you need us, uh, hopefully another 44 years from now. Some people that call us are 80 or 85 year old women who are finally reporting something that happened long, long time ago. And the statute of limitations is long gone. There's nothing we can legally do for them. But yeah, I mean, we can still provide counseling and other just support. We do things like help people find housing, help people with immigration papers, um, partnering with other agencies around Sonoma County to make that happen for our clients. And then sometimes, yeah, th- because of the statute of limitations, we also tell our clients, even if you can't make that report anymore, even if you do and nothing comes out of it, that still doesn't stop us from giving them the services. Mm-hmm. If they still want to like, take counseling, if they still want us to tell them about like any other services that we offer, ma- them making a report or not doesn't affect whether we're going to work with them or not. Mm-hmm. Kaylin, I don't want to go into any of your personal stuff, but obviously you mentioned mm-hmm. that you've you've done some of this work yourself, mm-hmm. and I, I think that you can only speak to it. I can't. But was there more of a lightness in your life as you moved forward? Did you feel uh, a sense of uh, healing having done that work? And I only ask yeah. the question yeah. because there's value to picking up the phone and calling when you're ready. Can you yeah. can you comment yeah. on that at all? Yeah, um, I mean, I started doing this work, God, maybe 12 months after I realized I had been assaulted. Um, The first 12 months were, or the first six months after it happened were denial. The next 12 months were anger. Um, And there's been a lot of denial and anger since then. There's been a lot of depression and anxiety. Shout out to my therapist. She's the best. Um, But yeah, just the healing of doing action and being there for other people I think is huge and in sharing your story um it brings it to light and most good people are going to tell you that it's not your fault um if they tell you it's your fault ditch them and it it opens up a lot of commonalities I've gotten way closer with people in my life from from talking about it um and sometimes I felt like I was cornered into talking about it, um, not by them, by other uh, other circumstances. But I think that talking about it can help so much. Um, for me, that's all that I've really done to heal. And that has helped so much in getting to work every day for two years with other survivors and other coworkers who just give a shit um, is very refreshing and very healing in and of itself. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. No, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I agree with Kaylin talking about it. I always say talking about it really does help people heal. Um, whether it's to a therapist, whether it's to a best friend, whoever it is, it really does help. Because I feel like the moment, 
And then sometimes people don't want to talk about it because the moment people do talk about it, it that's when it becomes real. Like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, did this actually happen? It's like they actually verbalize it. And that's when it's like, oh, my God, like, I can't I go back now. It. Exactly. You can't. And then it, I know a lot of feelings will come up and flashbacks, maybe. Um, but definitely, it definitely does help. And to people who are undocumented, you mm-hmm. would strongly recommend them to call the organization if they're encountering sexual assault, sexual abuse, et cetera. Oh, absolutely. Because there is a fear of law enforcement. Yeah. Yeah. One of the questions that we always get asked is, do we ask about the legal status? And that's a no. Like, we... Mm-hmm. If people come and talk to us, um, rep- um, take counseling or anything, we there is no way for us knowing if they're undocumented or not because not, that's not information that we ask for. Mm-hmm. If they want to share it, okay. Um, the only reason I would sometimes ask is not in a way for them to answer, like, hey, are you undocumented? Can you tell me yes or no? But I would give them the option if you weren't to be undocumented then because of something happened to you you will qualify for the u visa or the t visa mm-hmm. once we know that they probably qualify is when i will probably make um a comment about it or ask the question apparently on the relationship that i already have with the client um but yeah definitely we don't we don't need that information and the um and clearing up the misconception that we um work with or for law enforcement in that way we legally cannot tell police or law enforcement anything that a client tells us like period point blank unless they sign a confidentiality waiver like we even if we got called to go to court for some reason legally as crisis line counselors um, we all did a 48 hour training and do ongoing uh, credits to retain that confidentiality so even when the police and the survivor and the family are all getting along perfectly. I make it abundantly clear to the survivor, like, look, I don't work for that officer. So anything you tell me stays between us. Um, And if you're a minor over 12, anything you say to me, I'm not allowed to tell to your parents. Um, And I think a lot of teens are also afraid to get in trouble with law enforcement. or people that have committed crimes are afraid to report to law enforcement, um, people that are uh, struggling with addiction, people that are struggling with homelessness, people that are doing all of these things that for whatever reason society has deemed immoral or illegal are afraid to seek services. And so making it clear that A, we're not affiliated with law enforcement and B, if we do work with you with law enforcement, law enforcement for the most part in Sonoma County is not gonna, pursue charges on any of those matters what happened to you is far more serious and detrimental than anything else what is most frustrating about doing this work in terms of roadblocks in terms of broken systems things that get in the way anything that comes to mind in those subjects um that unfortunately as we all know not everybody that makes a report Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that someone's going to be prosecuted that to me it's it's really it's 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 really hard because we go through all this process with our clients and mm-hmm. that it, it, it's kind of like having to relive everything again mm-hmm. and for them not to be justice for them to me that I can definitely say that's all oh, that's extremely frustrating and, and, and I have to hold my posture I can I, I sometimes yes I'm mad and I, and I show it but then I have to remember that I have to validate the other person's feelings yeah. and what they're feeling and even when the legal system is working at its best which rarely happens um it it takes forever it takes forever there are there are clients that 
have probably been working with Verity for like three years who still haven't quite seen their court date. What have you learned? Big question. (laughs) What have you learned about the resiliency of the human spirit through this work? Dude, humans are so fucking resilient. Like the most positive clients that we have and that we work with are the ones who have seen like the worst. Like it's, it's people that can barely speak English who have been trafficked, who have been beaten, brutalized, and they come in with smiles and are thrilled to see us. And I'm like plugging away at data entry or something. And a client comes in and like brings me a flower and I'm just ready to cry. Or they'll be like, Oh, can I give you a hug? And I'm like, Oh my God, of course. And I'm, and they barely even know me. I'm not even the advocate that they work really closely with. So just seeing the love that pretty much all of our clients have for their families and their partners. And I would say a lot of our adult clients come to us because they see how it's affecting their relationships. Um, I've had clients who have come to us because they're just having trouble with their partner and their partner suggested they came and then it just all gets better from there. So people are really resilient um, if you can give them the room and the opportunity to be. A two-part question is, again, as we're winding down here, um, what has Verity meant to you personally and what has it meant to the community that you both live in? To me personally, I have, um, I have, even though I've been with Verity for only two years, I've worked with a lot of um, students who have experienced sexual abuse. And to me, it means that I now have the resources. Because before, I could, I could definitely listen to them. I can tell them a little bit. But now I, I have more of the knowledge and more of the resources. So I can continue to doing that outside of Verity. Um, I have two, two young sisters. And they are 9 and 11. And how comfortable they are talking to me and how I couldn't talk to my mom about any of this. But now since I work at Verity, it's very open at home mm-hmm. that they can talk to my mom about all of this. Mm-hmm. All, my sisters know about like sexual abuse and consent and all this and how they also, even though their schools don't allow me to go, they bring it to their schools yeah. themselves. <laughs> so they're like the little advocates there. <laughs> yeah, I would, um, for me, I would almost say it was the opposite. Working at Verity has allowed me to talk a ton with my mom um, more. She actually, in January, started being a volunteer with Verity, which is really cool. And that means that we have the same level of confidentiality. So she'll text me um, to be like, call. she'll say, call me. And I'm like, oh, God, what did I do now? And it'll be that she wants to hear about her client that she went on a, a, an accompaniment with. Um, but I think just being a part of Verity has made me feel like a bigger part of the Sonoma County community and Verity sees all of it and Verity's here for all of it. And so being a part of Verity, I I don't want to leave anytime soon. It's great. Tom Gaffey, do you have any closing thoughts for us here tonight? I'd I'd love to thank the two of you for doing what you're doing and all the people that are working with you. And, and, uh, um, and, and I want to reiterate as, as they have stated, nothing is too small. If you feel you want to call them, uh, it will be confidential. You don't have to give anything up that you don't want to give up. Um, this is a call that is, can be as easy or as hard as you want it to mm-hmm. be, but make the call if you think you want. And uh, if if you are lucky enough to have either one of these two on the other line, oh boy, <laughs> you've got two really special people here. Uh, and, and I suspect that anybody that will be answering that call is exactly who you want to talk to at that time. Absolutely. Make the call. If you want. <laughs>
if you want. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> well, thank you both for the work that you do, and thank you to everybody in the organization that does thank work. We appreciate that you shared it with us. Uh, Verity is a valuable resource for people who live in Sonoma County, and it's been very good to put a spotlight on that work tonight. Caitlin and Joyce, thanks again for joining thanks us. Thank so you. Much.